Hello and welcome to this special edition of Open Sources Guelph from CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I am Adam A. Dalton of Guelph Politico. Joining us shortly will be Scotty Hertz. Open Sources is CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show, and you can find us on CFRU every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. And we do sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians. For this special edition, those politicians will be the people running in Ward 3. Uh, We've been doing these interviews over the last several weeks of the show, uh, just doing them in kind of random order as people have been signing up. And before you go to the polls, perhaps you are interested in hearing just from the candidates living in your ward. And if you're living in Ward 3, this is the episode for you. So we are talking to, in alphabetical order, Phil Alt, John Bertrand, Kevin Bowman, Luke Cousineau, Sam Elmsley, Dallas Green, and Michelle Richardson. So I'm going to turn things over to these seven, and you will hear from them starting right now. Okay, Phil Alt, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Jeff. Uh, first of all, um, you know, Ward 3 is, is kind of a place in Guelph that um, doesn't go through a lot of, like, obvious change. There's no big development and the, the ward review process, um, you know, left the borders more or less as is. So, you know, you being the incumbent perhaps you can uh start by talking about how ward three has uh changed and grown maybe the things we haven't seen over the last four years thanks actually that's a good way to start um you can't see the changes in ward three but there are some significant ones that are occurring many of them are in the willow west area especially along willow road between edinburgh road and silver creek where there are proposals there to increase density quite significantly. And they're proposals that I have real concerns about because the depth of the poverty in that area and the lack of facilities, to my mind, does not afford a greater increase in density. You know, while we focus on areas like the South End where people are worried about density, we don't have large estate lots here. We have very small lots, a lot of townhouses, a lot of apartments, and a, and a disproportionate amount of low-income uh, livers, people that live here who uh, really are having a hard time getting out of the poverty trap. Uh, we've got three and four generations of people that have lived in the Willow Road area, which mm-hmm. I think many people in Guelph would be shocked to know about. Furthermore, we're a settlement area for new Canadians and refugees. Uh, those two uh, factors have a significant impact upon quality of life for many, many people. Right. And uh, oddly enough, I was talking to a Ward 4 candidate uh, about uh, a similar making a similar note about um, that area of the city. And I guess that's where kind of Ward 3 and Ward 4 overlaps is that you you do have these areas that um, are, are very inclusive of, of you know, new Canadians, people are, you know, have who have immigrated here, refugees who have resettled here. And 
I, I guess part of your equation is um, when you're looking at representation is you're, you're looking at representing people who may not have um, a, vo a voice in, in, in voting. Um, they still have a voice in the community, but um, they are not necessarily people you can ask for their vote. Well, that's a really good point. And you're right, they do. They have a very good voice in the community. Uh, I, I'll give a lot of credit to the neighborhood groups and to the Sheldale community for encouraging people to get involved and doing it very, very well. Um, to give you a good example, uh, one member of the Sheldale community passed away, sadly, um, uh, from really from uh, from. I would say poverty, actually. I'm going to be quite quite blunt about that. He mm -hmm. had diabetes, and he lived uh, essentially a, a marginal life for an awfully long time. Sheldale really pulled it together, and so did uh, uh, Wellington County Social Services to provide the guy with, with essentially a dignified burial and dignified um, um, uh, visitation. And that, that, to me, is, is the mark of a good community. And the neighborhood groups, um, the... the the uh, Sunny Acres neighborhood group and the, uh, the Exhibition Park neighborhood group, they have different issues, but they're all working on the same things, creating mm. a cohesive community where people, whether they have a vote or not, have a voice. And uh, uh, I think credit to Guelph and credit to the neighborhood groups for having done that. Mm -hmm. Looking at the political picture, um, and again, you've, you've done two terms, you're looking to do a third. Um, how has council changed or, or even, you know, the way council has sort of uh, overseen the, the political affairs of Guelph? How's that changed in the last eight years? Well, that's a good question. I think one of the challenges that Guelph is facing is that we're not necessarily looking at how to continue to build the good city or the good community. We are more focused on fiscal conservatism. And this seems to be a driving mantra of some people on council. And it's a real concern to me, much to our detriment. I'll give you a good example. Mm -hmm. uh, an issue that's very, very quietly um, under the radar is the issue of the library. Apparently there's rumors that there are some candidates who are saying that we should cancel the, the library. Now, what they aren't aware of is that this is a 15 to a $20 million decision because we already have in place a tremendous amount of uh, obligation and we've, we've done a fair bit of pre-construction uh, development in that area. And uh, this will be like what was done um, at the, uh, the turn of the century under the, uh, the Quarry administration when people decided to axe the library then. These things don't get cheaper. And this mm -hmm. library is uh, getting more expensive by the day. Uh, that particular approach to uh, not city building, but um, uh, financial coffers um, uh, constraints is, is a real challenge to us. We've got to look at the whole thing. We need to act fiscally responsible, and that means to uh, build our facilities when we need to build them and to ensure that we are building for the future. Because if you're saying that we're going to bankrupt our kids, we're mm -hmm. going to bankrupt our kids if we don't do these things. Mm -hmm. um, since you had a role in, in making the decision, and you can correct this if it's wrong, but um, there would be financial consequences if the project was canceled at this point, right? You know, I'm going to leave that to staff. Okay. Um, and I think that it's it's fair to say that there would be, but I'm not going to get into the particulars of that uh, because it's a it's a legal issue. Okay, fair enough. Um, 
so you know you're kind of laying out sort of what the the terms might be in the next council and there's going to be a significant shakeup because there's at least four empty seats and yeah. you know who knows what might happen so i guess um is, is that going to be sort of a theme if if you uh happen to be reelected by your constituents that it's going to be sort of that knee-jerk fiscal conservatism versus sort of the the longer game well, uh, the theme for me will be the longer game. My goal is to build the good city, and that includes areas in the city that uh, are, are underdeveloped, areas that are slated for development, whether I like that or not, being concerned about water, water conservation, and our, uh, our uh, access to, to clean um, groundwater. Uh, these are all things that are worrisome to me. Um, I am really, really struggle with the issue that we are growing to over 200,000 people in less than 30 years, and that uh, we are going to be relying upon the same water supply, for example. This summer's uh, drought and our code red uh, should be a wake-up call to many people who think that it's business as usual on that issue. Similarly, intensification requires us to provide the facilities and the, the infrastructure that we need, and that includes things like buses, ambulances, mm -hmm. And uh, what I was told last night, it's no secret that the uh, that the hospital is uh, preparing up to a 20-year plan to look at what our health requirements are going to be. These are expensive items. They require the, uh, the city, the federal and the provincial governments to uh, get on board to deliver good quality living for everyone. Mm -hmm. I did get a chance to peruse your website in preparing for this, um, and a lot of it ha covers uh, some of the same issues. Um, one stuck out to me, and perhaps you can um, expand on why you why you think good governance is should be an election issue. Excellent question. Well, Adam, uh, as I see you there at our meetings every week in your nightgown and your slippers uh, at two in the morning. Uh, good governance affects everything that we do. It affects our relationship with the county, the province, and the federal government. It affects how we conduct our meetings. It affects our decorum in terms of our relationship with the community and with each other. Without good governance, we have a situation where essentially we can be called to task because we're not treating everybody uh, as if it is a level playing field. And to give you a good example, I don't think that we should ever be taking motions at the spur of the moment because we require that people be given the opportunity for a hearing. This is due process. So if we are uh, suddenly to consider a building project in the south end, whether it is one that's for profit or non-profit and it's on a parcel of land that say is an acre in size, we must provide everyone including the for-profits, the non-profits, and those that don't even have necessarily a vested interest, say, in a housing development, the opportunity to be heard. That's something that is, is tantamount in, um, in municipal democracy. And so uh, we fail at good governance if we do not go through due process, and that includes appropriate notice. It also fails, as I said, you, when we're uh, in long meetings, because we should be sticking to our rules. And if we're not sticking to our rules, we're doing a great disservice to everybody who's paying attention. Uh, another good example are delegates. There is absolutely no reason that I can see that we cannot give our delegates essentially a time window when they speak. So mm -hmm. I can say, well, Adam, you're, you're speaking on, uh, on the need for the city to, uh, 
to provide $60,000 to CFRU annually. Um, uh, your time to, to speak is between 8.30 and 8.45, not necessarily at the start of a meeting until maybe two at night. That mm. to me is inappropriate for good decision making. Mm -hmm. So good government runs a real gamut of many, many things, and they're all important. Well, this is a very important question. It will unfortunately have to be our last. Uh, where can people learn more about you and your campaign? <laughs> Excellent. Uh, first of all, my website, philalt.ca, P-H-I-L-A-L-L-T.ca, is one place to get me. The other, you can text me at 519-900-1414, or you can leave a message there, uh, and I will get back to you. Um, similarly, uh, you'll probably see me on the streets uh, a lot, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see me down at the market or, or at a coffee shop. But I, I am available, and uh, if anybody wants a personal meeting with me, I, that can always be arranged. Just give me a shout, and uh, we can uh, make it at your convenience. All right. Well, we'll have to uh, shout out here and uh, say thank you, Phil, for your time and good luck on the campaign trail. Groovy. Talk to you later, Adam. Thanks very much. I'm joined by John Bertrand, one of the eight people vying for the two available seats in Ward 3 in the municipal elections on October 24. Thanks for joining us today, John. Well, thanks for having me, Scott. I really appreciate it. So I, I suspect that now, you may be a familiar face to a few people in town, but for the benefit of the listeners, uh, can you just tell us a bit about yourself? I, I was raised with three siblings, and I was taught at a young age by my parents that if you want something in life, you have to go and work hard for it. Uh, so that's what I did. I wasn't born into money, and I didn't get any handouts. Uh, as the years went by, I worked in restaurants, and then I was in the factory industry. I even owned a packaging company there for a bit. I was always trying to become the best version of myself with each career move. I made the decision to become a realtor over 10 years ago when I realized after buying my first home that being a real estate agent isn't about sales and that the agent actually really couldn't make me buy that house. But it's more about mentoring, advising, and helping people achieve their goals while, uh, while helping them build their wealth for the future. I live in Ward 3. I'm a husband and I'm a father of two girls. Kind of related to the real estate, your area of expertise is uh, your plan to address affordability and particularly within the housing crisis in town. I guess they're kind of separate issues, but they're intertwined. So specific to housing, how would you in your capacity as a counselor work to address the affordability issue in terms of places for people to live in Guelph? Well, well, that's a that's a great question, Scotty. Um, we, we, we need to work closer with developers on, on getting their approvals faster. As a realtor, I'm seeing new construction delays on a monthly basis, and that's just unacceptable during a housing crisis. If we constantly have a lack of supply, then demand continues to grow, making affordable housing more difficult to achieve. And we aren't the only ones experiencing this, by the way. We, we need to work with other municipalities to attain more supply. Otherwise, once we have it figured out, well, then their demand is just going to continue to spill onto us. We need to encourage second dwellings and accessory apartments through grants uh, or low interest loans so that we don't only rely on high rises to increase our density. This way, we don't sacrifice Guelph's history and, and character. That's really important to us. So this is, municipal is always a fairly long campaign period, and I'm sure you've been 
uh, making the rounds out in Ward 3. What have people been saying to you? What's been their main area of concern that you've been hearing? Are you seeing a trend? or? Yeah. During, during my campaign so far, I've heard a few of the same concerns. Affordability and the rising number of community members experiencing homelessness is the most common. Uh, theft is also an issue I've heard a number of times. Road maintenance and safety is a big one. The upkeep of our parks for safety reasons is something I've heard a few times. The tracks on Edinburgh holding up traffic during busier hours. The mental health crisis is a rising concern. I've also heard council uh, takes too long to make decisions and they drag out their meetings, so they'd like to see results faster. Although it's not a municipal issue, people are expressing their fears and concerns about the privatization of healthcare. The small businesses, let's not forget them, they're they're having an issue finding staff right now. Uh, these are the most common concerns I'm hearing, but not, not the only ones. And should I be elected, I fully plan to start addressing these concerns and bring them to council's attention. You mentioned safety there, and that is something that's been top of mind. We've heard it from other candidates as well, and it means different things to different people. So as a councillor, how would you kind of strive to improve safety in town? And what, what do you think could be done at City Hall on that? From a city hall point of view, I'd, I'd have to review the budget with, uh, with my fellow councillors and, and see exactly what we can allocate towards it. A couple ideas I have is is maybe, you know, during the peak hours of 1 o'clock a.m., having surveillance go around. And we can't spend a lot of money on it, but just enough to maybe scare the, the, the people who are doing this. We could also encourage neighborhood groups to, to help look out for each other. This is going to be something we're going to need to discuss and, and see what we can come up with. It's been brought to my attention a few times, and uh, I'm, I'm thinking of solutions for this issue. So another topic which never fails to energize people during municipal elections and year-round is city taxes and the tax rate. What would your approach be to that if elected? Do the taxes too high? Or are they in the right place? Too low? No one ever says too low, but... Yeah, I can't say they're too low. You know, this is a really tough question because I haven't been in office. I haven't seen the books. I don't know what our budget looks like. I am a realtor. I, I, I am familiar with construction costs. I know when it comes to paving roads and, and things like that, it's it's not a cheap job. Uh, I had a plaza listed and they went to redo the, um, the, the parking lot and that cost them six figures to just repave the parking lot. So I, I know these things aren't cheap. Uh, what I'd like to see is maybe better spending of the money. I, I don't want to see the taxes continue to go up. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to review the budget and, and see where we can save money and uh, allocate money, prioritize things better, and go from there. I'm sorry, I can't get you get you a definitive answer because I'm not in office, so I don't know what the inside scoop there is. Of course, we don't want to see our taxes go higher. Ward 3 is an interesting slice of town. It's got a, a mix of residential kind of to the south end and then commercial and industrial to the north. And it's stayed a bit static. The residential area is dedicated single family housing and industrial is what it is. Do you see any room for growth there in terms of what's been happening in the rest of town? Like we've seen, say, in the ward near the downtown with, with uh, condominiums? Or how do you see Ward 3 and kind of like the, the bigger picture of the next over the next few years in terms of development? Yeah, you're not going to see the, the type of development um, we're experiencing in, in Ward 6, for example. But 
Well, there, there are things uh, we can do in Ward 3. We, we do have some, some zoning changes we could make. Uh, I, I think we can intensify Willow a little bit. We've got to be careful and strategic about it, but uh, Willow is an area that we can maybe intensify. Um, accessory apartments, we can start uh, approving those easier for, for residents, maybe accessory um, dwellings on their property if, if their land meets the criteria, uh, things like that. We, we can intensify Ward 3 still, and we, we need to find ways to do so. Maybe approval of uh, triplexes and uh, fourplexes to, to some, some old single detached homes. Uh, th- things like that. If in October you were elected, wh- what would you like to see as the first order of business when council sits again in November? Well, I have to familiarize myself with uh, all the open projects and get brought up to speed on everything. I plan to review the budgets and see where we can start saving some money. As I mentioned earlier, um, there's a number of concerns Ward 3 has expressed to me, so I'll be bringing them to council's attention and we'll start to prioritize these concerns. As for me personally, I feel like affordable housing is a bridge to so many issues we're experiencing in Guelph. So I think that's one of the first conversations we need to have as council. When voters go to the polls in October, why should they vote for you as one of their two choices for Councillor Ward 3? I know past councils have worked hard and diligent to improve Guelph, and it hasn't gone unnoticed. We have these inspirational quotes we use at our company but one really resonates with me and it goes like this. You can have reasons or results, but you can't have both. We need to start focusing on results. That said, it's time to do politics differently. This election, we need to vote for the candidates who can work collaboratively with each other to get the results our city is asking from us. As a realtor, this is what I do on a regular basis. We have to come up with a win-win situations or a situation for our clients. I have to find ways to work together with other realtors to achieve our clients' goals. My commitment to Ward 3 is to hold other governments accountable and to be a strong advocate. I will address affordability, transit, mental health, homelessness, equality, climate crisis, and be your voice. I hope I can earn your trust and support and um, your vote this upcoming election. Well, that's great. Thanks for joining us today, John. And if people would like to get in touch with you, find out more about you and what you do, how can they do that? Well, I'll keep it simple for everyone. Uh, I have a website. It's johnbertrandforguelph.ca. And that's F-O-R, not the number. So johnbertrandforguelph.ca. And then from there, you can link to my email. You can link to uh, my Facebook page, which I'm updating regularly. Um, I will be getting a Twitter. I'm in the process of that right now. And the link will be on my website as well. So my website is going to be your one-stop shop for all communications. Well, thanks for joining us today, John, and best of luck in October. Well, thank you so much, Scotty. I really appreciate this. Okay, Kevin Bowman, thank you for hopping on with me today. My pleasure. Thank you for the invite, Adam. Uh, To begin with, Tell people where they might recognize the name Kevin Bowman from. If they're politically tuned into what's going on in Guelph, they probably recognize the name. So where do people recognize your name from? Uh, well, possibly from a couple things. I've been involved with the um, Guelph Campus Co-op, which is a student cooperative uh, based off the university. Um, and 
Yeah, so that co-op owns quite a bit of affordable student housing in town and they have um, neighborhood relations with the old university neighborhood. And we built a um, several million dollar housing, I think 72 bed uh, development there. Um, mm. And so that was probably my first time being mentioned in a local newspaper and having my photo plastered somewhere <laughs> that I can recall. Um, since then, I've been involved with a couple local community groups, uh, 123 Guelph, which is advocating for municipal electoral reform, along with various chapters in other cities. And we actually succeeded in getting some legislative change on that under the Win Liberals. Um, unfortunately, Doug uh, didn't come to pass. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was also involved with um, Democracy Guelph back when the federal liberal liberals were running as part of their election campaign. They were promising the last first pass the post election. And um, so Democracy Guelph was a bunch of folks in Guelph who got together and we were pushing for them to stick to that promise and ideally deliver proportional representation. Mm -hmm. um, I think those would be the three primary things that would pop up if somebody googled my name <laughs> <laughs> perfect so uh you're running in ward three where where there is um an open seat june hofflin decided to uh take her leave with this term um so i just you know i assume you've been out and about already and and sort of talking to people and people have been getting in touch with you so in, in terms of sort of general the general concerns of ward three um what are, what have you been hearing and, and what are you looking at uh, well, one of the most recent things to come up was the um, the exploratory discussions around uh, rail crossings. Mm. So the Metroplex services are being uh, upgraded uh, in preparation for more frequent uh, two-way, all-day-go service, which I'm very much in favor of. Um, but this is raising questions of like, okay, if we change the service levels at the various rail crossings in Ward 3, what changes, if any, are necessary to make sure that those rail crossings are compliant with safety standards. Um, and it's very early days, so no commitments are being made. It's all very exploratory. But one of the things that was published in public documents and the public became aware of was the consideration of either an underpass um, at the Edinburgh uh, crossing. Mm -hmm. And that would potentially you know, significantly impact the folks that are living there in the case that it would make the crossing the street much more difficult and some people's houses might need to actually be uh, purchased off them in order to allow that property to be used for construction of an underpass. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's lots of concern about that, completely understandable, um, but it's very early days and that's just one of many, many options that need to be considered for that rail crossing. So it's not a done deal by any means. It's uh, very early on in the process. Mm -hmm. Um, other concerns that I know residents of Ward 3 uh, have uh, top of mind, uh, housing affordability, both for purchasers and for renters, and um, also community safety, both in terms of like, road safety, making sure that it's safe for our kids to cross the street and they're not going to be um, involved in some horrible accident, cyclists as well. Um, there's lots of uh, parks, particularly exhibition park, where like there's a lot of pedestrian activity there, um, but there's also a lot of vehicular traffic. And so we need to make sure that those two things are not colliding with each other, literally. Mm -hmm. um, another concern uh, related to safety is the um, 
folks who are living rough, uh, either because of they they've lost their housing uh, due to you know income problems, or maybe they're dealing with mental health crisis or addiction issues, um, and a lot of those folks are living uh, in survival mode. And you know anybody, regardless of how resilient or tough you are, if you're living unhoused, that can uh, really really negatively impact your health, and it's an unsafe way to live your life. Um, but unfortunately, they don't, they don't have a lot of other options right now. And I think that needs to change. We need to provide some other opportunities and pathways out of that situation. Mm-hmm. You made housing a pretty big plank and people can go to your campaign website and, and see that. Um, I am curious, though, and I'm sure you're aware of this, that when it comes to housing, there aren't a lot of levers that council can... <clears throat> excuse me, Paul, on the other hand, you do have experience building affordable housing as a member of the, excuse me, campus co-op. So in terms of looking at this issue in a new way on council, uh, what are you hoping to bring? Yeah, so you're right in that most of the direct levers that affect affordable housing are at the provincial level, but there's some indirect things and a few direct things that the, the city can do. So um, I believe there's several other cities in Ontario, uh, Windsor and Toronto and Ottawa, I think, who have implemented vacancy taxes. Um, and I think that's something that we should look very seriously at. It's actually been quite successful in BC. Uh, I think I read a report a couple of days ago where the implementation of their foreign buyers tax and their vacancy tax, they estimate that that's brought 20,000 condo units back onto the market, mm. um, which is fantastic. Uh, before they were just sitting empty by, you know, speculative investors. Um, now, I don't think Guelph is anywhere near the same degree of problem with speculative investors as BC does, but there's definitely people here who are sitting on vacant land. I can think of two or three properties within walking distance of my house that have been vacant the entire time I've lived here, which is almost a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just ridiculous to me that there's housing sitting unused. Meanwhile, we have unhoused people. It's obscene. Um so that's one thing. Um, the recent zoning bylaw changes was a step in the right direction, which makes uh, development of things other than a single family detached home a little bit easier. Um, you know, mo- the vast majority of development in Guelph is, of course, around the peripheries, and it's mostly done by large developers, your fusion homes, your read heritage homes, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, one of the ways that you can address housing affordability is infill development, building en suites or turning a large house that used to be a multifamily home into a multi-unit home. Um, And because you're making those changes in an existing neighborhood, the infrastructure is already there. And so it doesn't impact the future tax burden on people too much because it's like, well, the sewers are already there. The hydro is already there. The roads are already there. We're already paying for that. You're just adding more taxpayers to the tax base to pay for those things, which actually brings taxes down for each person because mm. you have more people paying. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those are a couple of things that I think the city should be acting on in terms of uh, housing for sure. In terms of the makeup of council, there's four open seats this election. So, I mean, it's it, things are going to look very differently when the, the new council sits after the election. In tr- you know, y- you could potentially be a part of that change. So in, in terms of like the functioning of council and, and how council represents the city at large um how are you hoping 
the new council is is sort of more reflective of of the needs of the city if if you happen to win or frankly even if if you don't happen to um end up mm-hmm. as one of the two ward three councillors yeah I, I mean i want to see and i if elected i will definitely be putting a lot of my time and effort into a lot more engagement with the folks who typically are not represented at city council because uh they live the kind of lives that don't allow them to be a councillor but they're also not represented at city council in terms of delegations because again they can't get away from work uh or they can't get away from family obligations to to delegate to council um and that's not to take away from the folks who do delegate to council because the the so-called usual suspects as they're often referred to uh <laughs> i think they have a lot of valuable input and we should definitely be listening to them i don't want to disregard what they have to say but there's a lot of other people in town who have important input and in information that council needs in order to make appropriate decisions and we don't hear from those people through no fault of their own they just don't have the capacity or the ability to interact with city council under the way that we have currently set up our public engagement uh methods or, or opportunities. So mm. uh, the obvious solution to me is that the city council needs to go to where the people are. If they, people can't come to us, um, what exactly that looks like, I think it depends on each ward in the, the community because the demographics in the, uh, are totally different depending on which community you're talking about. Um, but yeah, I, uh, one of the things that I have the privilege of being able to offer as a candidate is that I'm in a position both personally and financially that if elected, I'm going to be treating this like a full-time job. Mm. So I'm going to have the time and I intend to use that time to spend a, uh, a lot of my efforts in the community, talking to people who can't get to city council um, to delegate on, on things. Okay. Then that brings us to the most essential part of the interview, which is where can people learn more about you or your campaign? Absolutely. So uh, the best thing would be to visit my website, which is Kevin-Bowman or Kevin-Bowman, if you prefer, uh, .org. And uh, you can either put that straight into your web browser, or you can always visit the city elections website, which is vote.guelph.ca. And that'll have links to all the candidates for all the uh, positions and my website's listed there as well. Okay, perfect. So, Kevin, uh, we thank you for your time today, and good luck on the campaign trail. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks again for the invite, Adam. I'm speaking with Luke Cousineau, one of eight candidates vying for one of the two seats up for grabs in the October 24th municipal election. Welcome to the program, Luke. Hi, thanks for having me. So, for the listeners who may not know who you are as a new face on the local political scene, can you just tell us a bit about yourself, a short biography? Sure. Uh, I actually uh, was born and raised here in Guelph. I lived in what at that time was the South End and grew up and I moved away for a number of years and then moved back about 10 years ago to pursue grad school actually in Waterloo. And I worked at the at the Y here in Guelph. So I'm a I'm a lifelong Guelphite who has an interest in in the city and how it grows and how it's governed. Uh, and I think that community governance is really important. So to have somebody like me who, um, as you said, is sort of a new face in local politics, I think can be a real asset on something like council. Speaking of, of governance, which is something you mentioned in your campaign literature, for people who have seen that, you're actually super clear about what that is involving, I think you said, housing, feeding and moving people. So 
I know that's kind of a broad question, but you know, if you were elected, how would you work to achieve that for people? Well, I think, I mean, questions about what Guelph looks like, how we house people, how we move people and how we feed people are, they're citywide questions. And they're, they're things that as a group council is empowered to work on. And I think if we are not working, if council is not working in the best interest of sort of feeding, housing and moving people in the city, I wonder what it is that they are interested in. So when I say housing in that context, I'm interested in, I mean, clearly Guelph is going to continue to develop, um, but I think we need to take a hard look on how we do that development sustainably for, for the future. Because although single family homes are great, uh, they're really expensive. They're really expensive to build environmentally and fiscally. They're expensive to maintain infrastructure for over time. And so I think we need to look harder at how we are doing development here in order to better future-proof the city. For moving people, that's all part and parcel of how we develop. Because the more we develop, the more we sprawl, the more we tie ourselves only to car traffic. And there isn't a person in the city that doesn't complain sometimes about car traffic. And so there are things that we can do to in our in our planning and development and our future proofing of the city to work on that, to work on active transportation, to work on transit in ways that are really sustainable for the future. And feeding people, I mean, I I grew up here and when I was growing up, there was no grocery store in the East End. And now there's no grocery store in the East End. And I know that's outside of my word, but I, I use it as an example because it's an example that people can really grab onto. We have a responsibility, the people governing have a responsibility to make sure that everybody has access to the services they need. And other than housing, I mean, food is next on that list to have to have inhabitants that are happy and safe and healthy. And so, I mean, for me, those are three, there are three really big things. And there are three things that we need to be talking about really actively, I think, as candidates and as citizens and as inhabitants of the city to make sure that we're making decisions in our council, whether I'm on it or not, are making decisions that are for the good of everybody and not for the good of the few. We're well into the campaign at this point. I'm going to assume you've been out and about in Ward 3. What's been the main issue or issues that you've been hearing from people? One of the things about Ward 3 that I think is interesting, but really challenging as a candidate is we have some real diversity in the ward, in the neighborhoods in the ward, both racial diversity, but also diversity of social socioeconomic status, access to services, things like that. And so it's hard, I think it's really hard to answer for Ward 3, you know, what is the single main issue? Because I think um, if you speak to people who live, say, along London Road by the park, they're going to say, well, speed of cars on these roads is it, on London in particular is a real challenge for me. And if you speak to people that live in co-op and other kinds of housing uh, in Onward Willow, they're going to have really different concerns. Like with inflation, am I going to have enough money to feed my kids? How am I going to get to work? Because I can't afford to have a car and I have real challenges with transit in the city. So I think that, you know, what's the one big issue in Ward 3 is a really, really hard question. But a lot of those questions, I mean, they're the big questions that the city is facing. And they're really sort of laid bare in Ward 3 in different ways in different neighborhoods. And so I think that I mean, how I answer that question on Willow or in the Junction or in Old City or in Exhibition Park is going to be really different. But I think it's really important to acknowledge that diversity in this ward and have people understand that 
there isn't just one set of needs here. We need to be listening and trying to address the really diverse set of needs that are here. Something you've mentioned elsewhere is the the long-suffering, let's call them Lafarge lands, which has been kind of dormant for years, a large blank slate right in your ward there. You know, Speaking development-wise, how would you like to see that evolve? Because I know it's been on lots of people's minds over the years, many years now. Many, many years. And I'm lucky and I live quite near there, actually. And right now, because it's in this state of sort of nothing, we have the opportunity to, to walk our dog there. We use How It Park, the, the flood area and that space, and we walk our dog there. And it's, it's great for that. But it is this big space of it, unused other than those of us that use it for outdoor recreation, which I think is a, a great use for it right now. But as a development space, I mean, we're talking about development and how many homes we need to construct and the provincial targets for those things. And we're not working hard. I don't see the city working as hard as maybe it could on the kinds of infill that we could see in the Lafarge lands. And I think that we need a development plan there that has a high enough density of, of development and combination development that it continues to be a useful space. And a discussion around are we going to be able to put Silver Creek through that rail crossing? I don't think that Metrolinx is going to let us do that. And as much as we might think that, oh, it's our municipality, we can get to control that, we don't. And so the development there, I think, has a really a lot of potential as long as we're maintaining access from the side that's walkable, that it's high enough density that it doesn't just turn into 30 giant homes, because I think that that would be a real, a real shame. Housing prices are high. Developers are going to come here. Let's build a development plan there in conjunction with developers that works for the city and is what's best for the inhabitants here, not just the developers. So, and this is something we ask everybody, if, if uh, you were elected, what would you like to see as the first order of business on the agenda at City Hall in November? I think the the first order of business in this seems... I think it seems like a, a, a small action, but the city has been talking for some time about a rainbow crosswalk in the city. And there is not a rainbow crosswalk in the city. The owners of the Stone Road Mall made a rainbow crosswalk in less than a week. They committed to that, bang, there was a rainbow crosswalk. And we've not done it yet as a city. And the the pushback when you get that when you ask that question is well you know there might be construction there might be this there might be that i i don't buy it i don't know what the delay is different people have different ideas about what the delay is but that small action is about recognition it's about demonstrating to a traditionally subordinated population in this community that the city sees you, the city recognizes you, the city is interested in having you as part of this community and delaying on that, waiting, delaying, putting it off, changing our mind, doing this, doing that, and it just not happening sends the entirely opposite message. And I think that that's an important thing. So I think it seems small, but I think it's symbolic in some really important ways. And I think that I think that that's something we need to do. We need to do it now. So finally, when the uh, the voters of Ward Three head to the polls on October twenty fourth, why should they choose you to represent them? I'm interested in policy that 
is future oriented. I, I, I'm interested in policy that works for people right now. I mean, I live here right now, but I also have a young kid and I'm interested in them being able to grow up here and then be proud of this place in the future, be proud of the decisions that were made today because they look to the future. They listened, they read and listened to the science when making those decisions, which is something that I think I'm, I'm in a position to do. Um, it's very different than many of the other candidates. And I don't have the ambition of sort of pivoting this political involvement into a career in politics. I'm interested uh, in being somebody that is a counselor in Guelph for the betterment of Guelph today and in the future. And so that that's why I think people should vote for me. I think there's a lot of great candidates in, in this election and we have the real opportunity this time around to, to have a lot of different options and make really good choices for you know, policy in Guelph and for Guelph's future. And, and I hope to be a part of that. Well, thanks again for joining us today, Luke. And if people would like to find out more about you and your campaign, how would they do that? Uh, well, they can go to the campaign part of my website, which is lukecousinophd.ca slash Luke four ward three. And the numbers there are, are the numbers. So L-U-C four um, W-A-R-D three, uh, or you can follow me on Twitter if you want to hear what I have to say. And it's at Luke Cousineau, just my name. And I'd love to connect with folks. They can also email me and the links are both on my Twitter and uh, on my website. Thanks again and best of luck on the campaign trail. Great. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right, Sam Elmsley, thank you so much for hopping on with me today. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So why don't you start off by just, uh, you know, you are kind of new to local politics, uh, at least in an official capacity. So I'm going to ask you to just sort of introduce yourself and and uh, maybe the, the most direct reason why you're, you're running in this election. Sure, absolutely. Um, so I am originally from Montreal, Quebec. I grew up uh, Eastern Canada largely, and then our family settled around the GTA. And I did some work in chemical companies, things like that, decided to go back to do my undergrad and came to Guelph. I fell in love with Guelph and never left like a lot of people. <laughs> I actually started like pretty late, but I started serving and bartending to put myself through school. I needed something to do at night. And doing that, I realized that I have a passion for service and engagement with the public. Um, so I would say I've served tens of thousands of people in Guelph over the last 20 years and gotten to know hundreds really well. And so it wasn't just their dining experience. You become friends, you care about people, you care about their issues and you become close to them. And so I just think my ability to engage and connect, I'd really like to do that on a larger scale. Mm -hmm. I laughed at you when you're talking about staying after university. That is my story. That's a lot of people's story. So it's a very familiar story. Um, I want to talk a bit about Ward 3, which, um, you know, the, the, the district, um, the ward was largely unchanged when they reviewed uh, the boundaries. Um, sure. And so, some people might accept that as sort of maybe it's kind of static. Maybe everything's kind of, 
you know, uh, business as usual in Ward 3. But can you talk about it from your point of view? You know, what are, you know, what are kind of the under, what's kind of the undercurrent in Ward 3 that the issues people are worried about? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, so as I was looking back at my Guelph experience, I realized I lived in Ward 3 five different times. Um, <laughs> and where I live right now, across the street, was Ward 5 in the last election. And I would say, so I'm still working in a bar, day-to-day, my discussions, once people find out you're running for council, you get to hear all the opinions. But in addition to that, I think I've probably knocked on well over a thousand doors at this point, and I'm, I'm finding people a lot happier and more optimistic than I was expecting to. I, hmm. I think I expected people to jump right into the issues and jump right into what's wrong with things. And more what I heard was people are happy that people are engaged and there are issues. There's, um, I mean, there's housing affordability and accessibility. Um, Traffic's an issue, traffic calming is an issue, and we're seeing mental health is a huge issue. Um, but, but I don't really want to be the least exciting candidate here, but <laughs> the people I talk to are pretty great. What is the source of that optimism then? Um, you know, I'm not really sure. I know we're, I mean, we're, I don't want to say coming out of a pandemic, but right. we're past the lockdown phases of pandemics for now, I hope. Um, and I think you can even see it by the number of people running for council this year that, that I think once everyone kind of comes outside and blinks in the sun a little bit, and then it's, it's less a grievance or anxiety and it's more, how can we help? And, from a personal perspective, I'm a really optimistic person. I just want to make other people's lives better. However, I can see that happening in mm-hmm. whatever large or small way I can make that happen. Mm. That's an interesting take. Um, I wanted to ask you about, uh, there is one vacant seat in, in Ward 3. Uh, there is one incumbent out of the two who is running for re-election. And knows nothing is guaranteed, of course. But I'm curious from your point of view, um, what is it that, you know, outgoing councillor June Hofflin sort of brought to council in terms of representing Ward 3 um, in terms of maybe something you feel was missing or maybe something you might want to replicate if you're elected? Right. I, I think it's more a case of replicate. Um, most of what I'm running for is not out of criticism. It's out of, I think people are doing a great job and trying to do a great job. Largely, people seem to be in this for the right reasons. And I think what I hear about June leading is that she was present, she was accessible, and you could get in touch with her and she would get back to you. And I I would really like to emulate that. Mm -hmm. Because I did make a note in the survey you you got back to Guelph Politico. There's a question about like what role would you like to serve if there was like sort of ministerial roles on council, and you said you wanted to sort of be the minister of responsiveness and service, which almost makes it sound like you feel like there's something lacking there um, in in terms of 
those like the way council deals with those issues. Yeah. And so um, thanks for that. No, I, instead of seeing something lacking there, I think before I got involved in this, um, I started off, how am I going to improve things? How am I going to make wealth better? And I started looking into things like, well, I'm going to fix transit all by myself. And then you look at it and transit's actually become a lot more flexible. And, it, and you look at service and I think it was 2018, there was a big service overhaul with the city of Guelph where they are improving service. So um, rather than be critical of these things, I want to be like part of the process. I want to help and make it even better. I guess maybe that speaks to one of another, another line I cherry picked from your survey, which okay. is that you wanted to improve Guelph through kindness, listening and action. And right. I'm, you know, these are kind of cynical times and kind of angry times. And I'm wondering okay. how, how, you know, I'm wondering how you think about your odds when you talk about approaching something with kindness and, and, and understanding that those are not like the immediate flexes of, of people these days. No, maybe not. But um, my experience has been positive so far. And I don't think you can go wrong with optimism. I mean, some things are, are going to be, some things are going to happen, whether you see the positive or you see the negative. So may as well choose to see the positive in it. And I think um, a, lot of, a lot of the emails I've received are about Guelph's mental health crisis. Mm. And I think, you know, I'm not going to be perfect. I have more questions going in than I have answers going in to municipal politics. But, but I also think that if you have the attitude of, okay, we've got this, it'll be okay, we'll figure it out. And the solution might not be perfect, but hopefully the solution is what's better than what was there before. Mm. That's interesting um, because, again, you're, you're talking about something I feel kind of goes against people's immediate instincts, which is they want direction. Um, and there, there's kind of like an immediate, immediacy factor. And I'm not criticizing your approach at all, but I, Ooh, I am curious. And to, you're welcome to. <laughs> I am curious as to, um, you know, eventually you know decisions have to be made and uh you know and eventually those decisions are going to brass somebody off and we kind of see that all the time with council somebody always somebody always leaves the chamber room unhappy (laughs) no that's fair and and it's possible and likely i will be that person if elected um i i think um my workplace experience speaks to that the sometimes people want direction and need direction but some people sometimes people need responsiveness and agility and flexibility. So if if you come to me with an issue, I don't wanna tell you what your problem is. I don't wanna necessarily tell you how to solve it. I wanna work with you as an individual and let's figure out the best way we can come to a solution where everyone's happy or mm. happier. Then, you know, thinking about that approach, then, I mean, what can you do as a city councilor? sort of make, I think what you're essentially talking about is how to make people more active and involved in the decision making, um, sure. as opposed to just, you know, sort of showing up and delegating on the night a decision's being made. So how, how, how do you propose to sort of create that 
more inclusive decision making. Sure. Yeah. No, well, to take like traffic calming as an example, I'm hearing about traffic calming on London Road. And I've had some conversations with people in Guelph and who, not in my ward, but they live in a traffic calmed area. And I, th- I think by and large, they wanted the traffic to slow down, but the result that they got was what they considered um, overkill, mm-hmm. unsightly, mm-hmm. and uh, negative towards their property values. And in speaking to one gentleman, he said, when I wanted traffic calmed down, I just wanted maybe a police car on the street as a deterrent for two or three days. I didn't really want this sort of circus maze that <laughs> I'm ending up driving through every day. And so, so to answer your question of what do you do is you have to go directly to the people around like London Road, for instance, to say, I get that you want the traffic calmed down, but also what do you want that to look like? Mm. That's a great point because uh, being down on Downey Road, uh, that is quite the, it does look like a kind of circus, but we'll have to leave that there. And, and Sam, to wrap up, how can people learn more about you and your campaign? Yeah, absolutely. So people can phone or text me at 519-731-2608. My Gmail and Instagram are both Sam Elmsley Ward 3. And my Facebook is Sam Elmsley for Ward 3, not the number, the word. All right. Well, Sam Elmsley, we, we thank you so much for all your time today and good luck with the rest of the campaign. Thank you very much. I really appreciate this. I'm speaking to Dallas Green, one of the eight candidates running for the two available seats in Ward 3 in the upcoming municipal election on October 24th. Thanks for joining us today, Dallas. Hey, thanks for uh, having me on, uh, Scotty. So for the benefit of the listeners who might not know who you are, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Um, I guess my my little spiel that I've got on my website is uh, talking about how I came to Guelph in about ni- 1995. Uh, I lived all over Canada. My father was in the military. So uh, when he retired, he retired to Lindsay, Ontario. I left there, did a program called Katimovic, which places you, uh, vol- you volunteer in three different places around Canada. So I went to uh, Ile Perro, Quebec, Aylesford, Nova Scotia, and then Guelph, where I volunteered at the Arboretum. And I fell in love with it. The music scene, the downtown scene, the people, the culture. I just have never seen this many different people in my life living on army bases. Everybody kind of looked like me. And it's, uh, I've been here ever since. I still live here with my uh, amazing and supporting wife, Sally, and our cats, uh, Abe and Kahuna. I've been volunteering in the community with a ton of different places. My most uh, I guess the proudest is uh, working with St. John Ambulance. Uh, with St. John Ambulance here in Guelph, I've been a volunteer for 17 years. Yeah, I just love Guelph. So we're about a month out at this point from the polls, and I'm sure you've been out and about in Ward 3. What have you been hearing from people? Uh, what What's top of mind this time around? Uh, ward 3 is one of those weird, uh, I guess every ward is kind of like that, but uh, Ward 3 seems to have that biggest I don't even know the words to use for it, but that biggest jump in pay, we've got some of the the absolute poorest in Guelph, that really poor socioeconomic area. Plus we've got a lot of those, uh, those very expensive homes and very expensive neighborhoods as well. Uh, super diverse as well. So there's, 
there's all the different topics that are going on. Some of the big ones, housing, obviously, every candidate that you've talked to, every candidate that's out there is talking about housing between uh, affordable housing, supportive housing, building more houses, all of this. The railway, the railway goes through that junction area and it's a pretty big topic right now. A lot of people are pretty heated about wanting it, not wanting it. It's uh, affecting many businesses, uh, affecting many homes, families that have been there, families and homes that have been there hundreds of years might have to move because of this. Uh, We do need this two-way rail, but we also need people to stay in their homes as well. So that's going to be one of those things we're going to have to figure out how to do this uh, well. Parks, as in everywhere in Guelph, we've got some brand new parks in the area. We've got some Drew Park, for example. I went and checked it out a couple of days ago, and it's basically a, a rusty swing set and a on a basketball net in the middle of a field, and that's about all. And uh, it needs to be be worked on. Traffic speeding going down London Road is a raceway right now. So much confusion with traffic. You know how how fast is this? Is this a forty? Is it only a fifty? I'm going to sign on one end, one on the other. There's all of a sudden there's a pedestrian crossing, and there's a park here, and families want to go to the park, and that's going on everywhere. But uh, definitely, those are some of the big ones I'm getting from uh, from the folks in Ward Three. And so you mentioned it there, and it is emerging as one of the top issues, and that is affordability, particularly when it comes to housing. So how do you think City Hall and maybe by extension yourself as a councillor could work to improve housing and housing affordability for people in Guelph? The simple answer is build more units. We just need to keep building more units, build the apartments, build the single houses, duplexes, triplexes, uh, student housing, rental, multi-generational houses. Just build more houses is the, is the simple answer, but it does come down to that compl- complicated answer of what kind of units uh, do we need? The affordability is it's a massive issue. I've got friends that have lived in Guelph for many years and they're raising their family and they can't afford the rent. My wife and I are a perfect example. We're probably a month or two away from, if we didn't have jobs, we'd be looking for a new house and we can't afford to find a new place. We're very, very lucky that our, uh, our landlord is great with us, but it's that close. We need to, yeah, plain and simple, we need to build more houses. Uh, smart and effectively, we can't just plop down a hundred story tower in the middle of Exhibition Park um, that's not going to work, but we do need to build more up, not out. I've been saying that for many years, but again, making sure that everybody's uh, on board with this. So another one of your priorities you talked about in uh, your campaign material is uh, safety. Now, if elected, how would you work to improve safety in both the ward you're in, but Guelph as well? I know some of the other candidates are pushing a little bit towards uh, one of the big hot button items is that is police and defunding and allocating resources everywhere. I think we need to give them what they need. Uh, we need to listen to them, that uh, the, the folks that are on the front lines. We need to listen to those paramedics, the firefighters, the police officers. They do need better training. They know that. They have amazing training, though. I've worked for the 17 years I've been in St. John Ambulance. I've almost annually worked with them with de-escalation training as a, as a volunteer participant. They do amazing work. But they need that training. They need the technology and equipment. They need. I'm so happy that we were getting the the red light cameras, uh, speed cameras. Might be another great idea. Get those folks back into helping to uh, fight the pressing crimes. I, I use in quotation marks. And uh, but we still have those crimes of 
people speeding. Just uh, just this morning, I was reading about uh, somebody stole a taxi and launched this taxi. What if somebody was there? Mm. We've lost many lives over that already with uh, people that are speeding. We know what's dangerous. All of those things need to come into play. So we just need to make sure that all those folks, the paramedics, firefighters, police, um, the, the the province deals with the social workers, but get those social workers out there. The impact program that we have is amazing, matching social workers with police officers. Um, and we're seeing the results. We are one of the safest cities in Canada, and we can always do better. So, so something else you've mentioned as a priority is job creation, which can be a difficult portfolio. So how would you bring that into being as a counselor? How could council as a whole better serve the city in that area? When it comes to job creation, we need to make have businesses be able to come here. Um, consistently, I'm hearing from builders, from businesses, that Guelph is a hard place to work around. Um, there's so many roadblocks in the way to get people here to build houses, to build factories, to build job opportunities we need to it's the old if we build them they will come we look at the uh all the uh, uh development down in the south end we're getting massive industry out there uh from sleeman to my mind's just drawing a blank right now but there's so many amazing places out there we look at waterloo and the technology hub that they have out there well why not guelph um we can do that we have amazing. We have a we have a world class university uh, right here in town. Let's keep these students here and keep them working in Guelph. They a lot of people come to Guelph. They love Guelph. They want to stay in Guelph. Let's give them an opportunity to do that by encouraging more businesses to come here. So, if you were elected in October, what would you like to see as the first order of business at City Hall? First thing I want to I want to see is a collaboration. Our our leaders haven't been working together uh, in the last several years, um, and that's part of the reason why I decided to run in Ward Three was exactly that reason. I found that the current councillors in Ward Three have voted against a lot of things, and it seems to be almost political. Uh, kind of my platform I'm going with is the is the whole people before politics and. We need to stop that. We need to work for the people. And that's what those elected folks are. So sure, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to go after the folks that I'm uh, running against, politely, of course, um, but I'm going to go after them. And so that first job that I want to do when I get there is uh, walk across that uh, horseshoe and shake hands with anybody, whoever I'm running against and uh, get that person on board with me and start talking and get our leaders together so that we can get on the same page and start getting things done. And I guess the second thing after that is to get shovels in the ground, uh, start getting people in here, getting biz- our uh, businesses and getting um, builders in here to start building houses. Uh, this needs to be done. Thanks for joining us today, Dallas. And uh, if, if people want to get in touch with you, find out more about you and what you do, how can they do that? I guess the easiest way would probably be going to uh, the website that I've created for the uh, campaign. Uh, it is Dallas Green for Guelph. Make sure you look for that for Guelph because Dallas Green tends to either, if you Google Dallas Green, you'll either get the singer or you're going to get uh, Dallas Cowboys versus Green Bay <laughs> Packers. That's what tends to come up a lot. So that Dallas Green for Guelph.com. 
uh, and then that'll have links to uh, contact me from my email. And it'll also uh, get to my Facebook page as well. So I'm on there quite, uh, I'm on there daily checking out to see what's going on. And uh, those are probably the best ways to get a hold of me. Well, thanks again, Dallas, and best of luck in October. Thank you very much, Scotty. It was a pleasure hanging out with you for, for a few minutes. Okay, Michelle Richardson, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Why don't we start off by uh, learning a bit more about you and, uh, you know, tell us a bit about, uh, you know, your your past and, um, you know, why you're running for office now. Sure, sure. Well, uh, both my parents were born and raised in Guelph, and uh, I was actually born in Edmonton because my dad was serving in the Canadian military. So we were out there for a couple of years and then uh, came back to Guelph, and I did grow up in Ward 3. Uh, Spent my days in uh, Sunny Acres Park. Those were back in the days when you could uh, you get up, you had breakfast, you went to the park, you came home for lunch, you went to the park, came home from dinner, and went to the park till the streetlights came on. So, it, you know, I have a fond. I had many family members in that area as well. So it was it was a real community. And uh, when I finished school, I went on to become a registered nurse and uh, married my husband. And both our girls have been uh, raised in Guelph. Uh, I worked at, at St. Joe's Hospital for 13 years, uh, and then I went on to work at the County of Wellington. Um, I still work for the County of Wellington in the HR department, and I'm a member of the Patient and Family Advisory Committee at the Guelph General Hospital. And I'm also on the steering committee for the master planning for the uh, new hospital for the city of Guelph. Okay. Uh, in my spare time, uh, you'll either find me boxing at the gym or on the golf course. <laughs> Uh, it, it's interesting your background and you know when you mentioned that you're on the steering committee for for the new hospital I'm sure a lot of ears perked up when they hear that um, given your experience in healthcare, you know we don't typically think of healthcare as a, a kind of local issue it's you know mostly managed from the province but you know to your mind is there benefits to having someone with your background on council and having that eye um again given that very specific issue of concern that people have with uh, with a new hospital absolutely because it's the residents of wealth that are going to be using that hospital and uh my background as a registered nurse gives me a really unique perspective as to what the staff need but also as a patient and family user on that committee, it's uh, working to make sure that I'm a voice for the residents of Guelph that are going to be using that hospital. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to look at your ward. It's interesting. Uh, you know, you grew up in Ward 3. You work in Ward 3 for <laughs> so many years. Uh, St. Joe's right there in the middle of Ward 3. Mm -hmm. uh, can you talk a bit about you know, we, we think of Ward 3, I guess, probably being kind of universally one of the more older parts of, of the city, basically unchanged in the last ward review process. Um, but interestingly, Ward 3 also has the most number of candidates tied with Ward 2. So uh, there must be something going on in Ward 3 that has people concerned, something kind of you know, in an undercurrent that maybe says uh, things are not as static in Ward 3 as, as they look. And I, and I don't know if it's specifically a Ward 3 issue. I have been out talking to uh, some of the residents and, you know, I'm hearing that the railway underpass is a big concern for them. And, you know, that's certainly on the city's radar already. And they'll be doing an environmental assessment for that. And hopefully that'll give us some other options 
Um, safe, the safe communities are a big priority. Uh, traffic flow, especially around the London, London uh, Road and Exhibition, uh, Exhibition Park area. That, uh, again, is also on the city's radar and been identified as a priority. But I'm not sure if it's just the climate of the more, the, the, the more uh, extensive needs, you know, the homelessness, the mental health issues, the affordable housing, and just that post-pandemic uh, phase that we're in. That people are really seeing that it's a really important time for all level of governments, but also a really important time for municipal government. I guess that ties a bit into your your three word slogan on your website: recover, revive, and thrive. Um, can you talk a bit about you know how you kind of it's it's great alliteration, but uh, aside from the alliteration, can you talk a bit about? Um, why you wanted to make that sort of like your three-word slogan, your platform? Well, I, I, again, I, that was part of my uh, my reason for running was I think it's one of the most important times for municipal government, and we do have some recovery to do post-pandemic. So many of our local businesses have been affected. Uh, our schools have been affected. So we need, and we're just coming into that, you know, recovery phase. So there's going to be a lot of decisions that are need, going to need to be thoughtful and uh you know, well-informed decisions, and we need to help our local businesses. We need to revive them, getting the workers that they need, getting them back up, getting people feeling comfortable coming back out, and uh, so that Guelph can continue to thrive to be the great city that it's been. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any particular barriers you're sort of seeing to that? Because I, I think, you know, a lot of people have been anxious and we, we've sort of seen that you know reflected in this summer at different events we've also kind of seen it reflected in the the covid cases frankly you know people are getting out and about that's how they're still getting infected so um what are some of the barriers you're looking at to sort of have that full reintegration that you're talking about uh, well i think some of the barriers especially for our local businesses are are getting the employees i mean there's signs all across every industry in Guelph, the serving industry, the manufacturing industry, we need to get people back to work. And then once we get people back to work, get them in the community, making this a community where they want to come and live and raise their families and work, then they're going to have that, that money that they can put back into our local economy and uh, you know support the, uh, the service industry and things along that line. It's interesting you should mention that. I, I, talk to Shakiba on a separate sh- uh, podcast, Shakiba Shani, the CEO of the chamber. There's a bus stop outside my house that has a, a paper sign in it for the Tim Hortons up on Woodlawn road. They're, they're, they're looking for help. Like this is that kind of outreach they're doing. Like we're just going to slap up help wanted signs and in, in bus shelters and see, see what happens. I know. I know. <laughs> um, I, I want to talk about sort of the political landscape a bit in more three. Um, uh, technically, all seats are open, of course, but there is one incumbent from Ward 3 running yeah. in this race. Uh, one, uh, The other incumbent decided that uh, four terms was enough for her. Um, but in terms of representation, um, can you talk a minute about, you know, what you think June is sort of leaving behind in terms of, you know, the, the vacancy she's opened up and what you think, or maybe what you're being told by residents that Ward 3 wants in a new councillor? Um, in, in regards to June, I mean, whoever gets that, uh, the incumbent into that position has big shoes to fill. 
I mean, Jane has dedicated 16 years of, you know, municipal service to the residents in Ward 3 and has done a great job. And, and I think that they're looking, residents are looking for uh, one of the things that June had, which she was always available, right? She was available. She was out there. People know who she is. And that's not just related to long tenure because people can be in positions for many, many years and people would say, who? But that wasn't the case with June. So that, that's what I'm thinking. People are looking for someone that they can pick up that's accessible to them, that if they have a concern, they can speak to uh, and feel heard. Mm-hmm. And I guess how would, you know, going forward, how would you pick up that baton and, and you know, make sure that, you, you know, none of that connection is lost? Um, you know, there will inevitably be a learning curve as you or anyone in, in who gets elected to that chair is, is going to, you know, be learning on the job. Um, and you're talking about a lot of these important sort of word changing issues, like the, the matter of the potential underpass at Edinburgh. So, you know, how do you how do you stay on top of it while learning the ropes, as it were? Definitely. And I, I don't know if many people realize the scope of the job of a, of a municipal councillor, and it's enormous. There's, you know, nobody can be an expert in everything, and you don't want to be a jack of all trades, so you need to rely on your staff and uh, your, your community contacts and anyone you can to get information uh, to make those really informed, solid decisions. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a bit about what you would make, what, like, say you get elected on October 24th. Um, I mean, city council has its own, I guess its own train. You're basically hopping a train as it's in motion because there's so much going on, but you know, in terms of taking the job, making it your, making it your own and chasing the priorities you want to chase, you know, what's kind of the first thing you want to get down to? Well, the first thing that we really need to do is learn to work as a cohesive group, right? We are coming together as a new group of, of uh, decision makers and counselors, we need to get to know each other on a, on, you know, not just a, a work platform. It's it's a job, right? And the residents of the city of Guelph and the residents that we're serving are our are, are managers, really. They're our boss. So we need to learn to work as a cohesive group. We need to get to know the staff. I think it's really important to have a trusting relationship with the staff of the city of Guelph who have proven themselves uh a great group of people time and time again. But again, we need to learn to trust them. They need to learn to trust us. And so that we're, when, when, we're, when they're bringing things forward, that uh, we've got confidence in the information that they're bringing. And uh, I'm not sure I answered all of that question. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, to wrap up, uh, I, I'm going to ask you the most important question of all, which is where can people learn more about you and your campaign? Well, I do have a website. It's www.michellerichardsonward3.ca. And Michelle only has one L. So uh, very important. I, I come, my parents, my middle name is Diane with two N's. So I said to my parents, like, what were you thinking? <laughs> and uh, my email is michellerichardson22 at gmail.com. Okay, perfect. Michelle, thank you so Michelle with one L, thank you so much oh, for your time today. <laughs> And that's it for this special edition of the show. We hope you liked it. You can stay connected to us at our website at opensourcesguelph.com. You can find us on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire. And we're on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. You can listen to any episode of Open Sources by downloading it from our website. 
You can get it from the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or via your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, or you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. You can find Scotty on Facebook and Twitter at Scotty Hertz, H-E-R-T-Z. And you can find out all sorts of information about CFRU, including programs and volunteer opportunities and the weekly top 20 list. You can find all of that at CFRU.ca. Coming up on Open Sources in the next couple of weeks on the October 13th and October 20th show, we will have interviews with the people who are running to be the next mayor of Guelph. That is at our regular time, Thursday at 5 p.m. And for all things Open Sources or CFRU, stay tuned to this feed. The hits just keep on coming, and we will see you next time.